This is the Saturday Supplement. I'm Frank Lewis. Imagine an enterprise that started in 1981, 43 years ago, in a prefab room in Killarney with one employee operating a bureau to change. And now that enterprise operates in 29 countries, annually processing 34 billion euros in transactions. It has become an innovative powerhouse, operating dynamic currency conversion, international payments, asset finance, strategic business development. That's the story of Fexco. This morning we're coming from two of its three Kilorgan buildings, where it now has almost 1,000 employees. Worldwide it has 2,500. From now till 11, I'll be talking to some of those involved for all of those 40-plus years, and others who joined along the way. We'll hear stories of the highs and lows, individual and corporate experiences and memories. Today's programme is recorded on the 30th of January. Let me have your Fexco story for future programmes. Write Frank Lewis, Mangerton Road, Muckras Killarney. Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com. Text 083 300 or 4066 7123 with your name and address for use on air. I'm joined by Brian McCarthy, Fexco director who founded the company in 1981 and has been instrumental in its development and growth from its foundation. He worked with Allied Irish Banks, which I remember, from 1963 to 1981. I'm also joined by Fexco's non-executive chairman, Dennis McCarthy, who was the former CEO and has been immersed with the company since early childhood. Dennis founded Annadale Technologies, a software development company, and Deviso, a payment software company. Brian, what's your earliest Fexco memory? Reading the paper and seeing an ad for somebody to be a Bureau de Change operator who had requisite experience. This was an ad for somebody else setting up a Bureau de Change operation? It was after the strike in 1978 because during the bank strike of 1978, tourists, especially in the south of Ireland, had nowhere to change their money. And uh, there were a few uh, independent operators started up. They closed down after the strike. But the government decided that in the event of another strike, this wouldn't happen again. And they were looking for some people to provide that service. That was really the beginning. You had a permanent pensionable position with Allied Irish Banks for, for 18 years. What was the impetus to go out on your own? I always had an interest in what was happening outside of the bank. I had this opportunity, and you would talk to Eamon Crowley there later on. He had told me that he was going to open a shop in Killarney in mm-hmm. 1980. He applied for the position of being a Bureau de Change operator because his wife had been working in the Bank of Ireland and she, he qualified as somebody who knew about foreign exchange. So he started a Killarney made auto company in mm-hmm. Killarney in, in 1980 mm-hmm. on the 1st of June. So he'd actually started an operation before you began? Oh, he did, yeah. So I was interested in it then, because I, I, I would be giving him advice, because when I was in the bank, I spent most of my life working in, in international division and in marketing, so I had a, a basic grounding in that business. And did you actually leave the Irish Banks at that stage, or was that later? I left uh, in 1981, March. I had seen what... Macaulay could do as a, as a bureau in Killarney and I thought that, that would be a good template for anything to, to develop a company like that. So did you from the very beginning see this as something that you wanted to do or that you were good, had potential to develop in that kind of way? Well, it grew as an idea. Did you at the very beginning, did you have you know, an ambition that, uh, I mean now processing 34 billion euros 
uh, working in 29 countries, having 2,500 staff. Did, did you have any idea of what it was going to become? No, no, not at all, no. Because it wasn't just pure the Shans that, that changed the, 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 well, the whole world around here. It was a number of things that the government did to uh, allow people outside banks to do things that were never done before by anybody else. So regulations were changed around that time? They were, yeah. The economy was going to a and it, well, it hadn't been in the 70s. So the time was opportune? Yeah, it was, yeah. Dennis, your earliest FEXCO memory? I was only about four at the time. There was four of us at the time in a four-bedroom house, and uh, I remember that Susan had her own bedroom because she was the eldest. And what year are you talking about? 82, 83, that kind of time. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, the defects of business was growing and Susan anyway lost her bedroom so she was moved <laughs> to the bedroom with my other sister Ruth the younger sister when you were four that's a big that's a big deal you know yeah, so we were kind yeah. of figuring out what was going on and there was a, 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 a chipboard t- a desk was moved into that room and it was the kind of the first basis for Fexco. So all of you were around when Brian left the bank? We were yeah. Like and did you all feel I mean this well, at four, you didn't think about these kind of no, things. No, anyway. no, like everything, everything you see at four is normal, isn't yeah. it? So it was, it, was, it was just normal. And it, I think as well it's important to say that my mother was a doctor, which probably gave Brian the, well, the, the, security. the, the security to go and try something different without, right. without the chances of the family being on the suppers after. <laughs> uh, so yeah. it wasn't only a bedroom that might be lost. Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. I mean, were you always going to work in Fexco? No. It's it's always hard to say exactly what's going to happen, but in, in the family, was always you were always uh, encouraged to do what you wanted to do. And for me, like I had a background in, in mathematics, and you know, thankfully the kind of things that Fexco did kind of suited suited that, mm-hmm. that background. So it, it, I was uh, I was I was lucky that the um, interest I had you know matched the kind of work that Fexco was doing. Go back to that four-year memory and the, yeah. the the loss of the bedroom. Was there anything after that that made a, some kind of impact that has lasted all of these yeah, well, 40-something yeah, years? Yeah, like something after the, the bedroom was taken over, then there was a porter cabin. So a porter cabin came in, it came in behind the house. So <laughs> I remember that because the, 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 the fellas, I remember, I remember very well, I was only younger at the time, the fella driving the truck in had to take the two pillars off the gate, getting the porter cabin into, <laughs> into the back of the house. That's memory that kind of stuck in my mind. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was the second thing that, that showed the growth of this business. After that, then Brian took over the um, Irish permanent in town. There was another development, which and he, 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 he had that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. But then after that, the business grew further, and he ended up buying the old train station in, in Carogden, which is currently the headquarters yeah. of Fexco. Yeah. And I have a strong memory of, I think it was like 1989, when there was the new opening of that building. I was probably um, 11 at the time, and I remember the, the money that went into that building was, was huge at the time. And, and, you know, like the fittings and fixtures and everything were just like something that uh, I'd never seen before. I remember at the time, um, Dallas was a big program on television, and I said, this is just like Dallas. You know, it's like these kind of... Uh, <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These funny memories, you know, that you have of, of, of uh, you know, that yeah. time, but... Uh, you know, like there were uh, other things as well. The business was uh, was in foreign exchange, so like there's lots of cash in the house as well. So you had lots of foreign exchange in the house. Did that mean you could dip in and kind of? No, no. Well, again, I was only young for this, so like I wasn't going anywhere. You know, besides local shop, and like unfortunately, the local shop did, didn't take French francs, so I, 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 I'd no, I'd no ability to spend the money. But, uh, How soon did you realise that the kind of things that your father Brian was doing were different to maybe the fathers of your friends? I suppose maybe twelve or eleven or twelve. When like friends of mine, parents started working for Fexco, and obviously you get older as well then, and you, yeah. and you have better um, understanding of things. Brian, what was the high point over the years? We had lots of high points, but the first one I remember was when we did uh, started taxi shopping. See, we didn't have any capital. That was one of the big problems. We had no uh, fixed capital. 
But uh, tax-free shopping was something that caught on right around the country, overnight almost. Because, again, that resulted from a government policy in '84 that people who purchased goods who lived outside the EU would be entitled to get the VAT refunded. We had a, a large number of bureaus de change before that all over the country in all kinds of places, like even up to Donegal, Dublin, Cork. And one day I was in Mall's Gap with Dennis Cushel, Lord of Mercy. He said to me, the one of our bureaus, so he said, I'm having desperate trouble with this bloody tax back because I sent back ch- checks to America for uh, the um, refund. And he said, I got a, a number of nasty letters from people to say that the cost of lodging an Irish pound check in America is $40. And the check was only for 20 oh, He said, I, I, I'm getting a very bad name from that, that kind of stuff. So uh, I said, why, why don't you get a dollar account? So... He said, I have a dollar account, but I don't have that number of checks like that I want to. He said, there'd be a fierce job altogether. So it turned out that most of the other shops around the country had the same problem. Mm-hmm. So we, we decided that we would use our account in America to fund the checks, provided that we could computerize the checks and the system. And we developed that system very quickly, computer system. And probably it was our first big investment in, in, in computers at that time. Mm-hmm. And the amount of... of cash that they generated was enormous because we ended up even having our business in the UK and one of the great days was the day that Harold's in London joined our scheme so we had a big party that night. <laughs> Is that a difficulty combining the social and the, and the economic activity? No, it was part of the same thing. <laughs> and you're winking over at Enzo Crowley there as you say that. <laughs> a partner in crime. Well, I, um, I wouldn't call it a crime. <laughs> we call it a service. <laughs> Was there ever a point where you thought, why did I ever leave AIB? Permanent, pensionable, nine to five, weekends free, retire at 65? No. Was it because the business was so good? Was it the social side? What was it? It was the, uh, being immersed in business which was quite a different thing than working in a bank. It was a 24-hour-a-day occupation, I can tell you, to get it off the ground, because, as I said, we didn't have capital, so we had to be very careful about what we did. It was a complete change of life. I mean, here you were in the bank, uh, safe and secure, 9 to 5, as I said, weekends free, uh, time for the family, uh, and now, you, as you said yourself a minute ago, you were working 24 hours a day, uh, flying by the seat of your pants a lot of the time, wondering... Were you going to survive? Well, I wouldn't think that. I was wondering what we survived. I was wondering what, what I had to do next. To Is that not the same thing? To make it work. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was the same thing, I suppose, but a different It was, different it was a positive attitude yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll take a break at this stage, and we're going to bring Edsel Crowley in. <laughs> we'll take it up from there. <laughs> that great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. 
uh, walking or rolling around the, the Killarden headquarters of Fexcope, the multinational financial and business solutions provider with operations in 29 countries. We're, we're still in the boardroom of the newest of the three Killarden buildings. The RDI hub. This amazing 57,000 square foot building. Brian and Dennis McCarthy are still with me. are also joined by accountant and businessman Edzo Crowley, who sits on the FEXCO board, and also by another McCarthy, by John. Edzo, your memory of your first meeting with Brian McCarthy? It was nearly 1970s. You would hear stories about uh, here cutting turf up and all up now with the Hellamin. He hit the ground running and getting to know his prospective clientele. He got involved very much so in the local community. He joined the local organisations in, the likes of the pantomime, and I was involved in that, and I got to know him there better. And there was a rugby club at the time trying to be farmed here in the town, and he joined that. And he was a very entertaining man, like, socially. He was very wont to give a recitation, and indeed to sing a kind of a classical song. The great recitation of his was the great Robert Service poem. Dan McGrew. There's a few lines in Dan McGrew that would be applicated to Brian. One of, one of them being, Oh, boy, said he, you don't know me. And the other one is, He gripped the keys with his talon hands. My God, how that man could play. <laughs> Brian, can you match that? I mean, do you remember your first meeting with Edzo Crowley? No, but I remember being in the pantomime with him. I was an Indian chief. <laughs> See, I was kind of tall, and um, I had no words to say except "Oh, Joe Pulaki," <laughs> and th- that meant that when I said that, somebody said, "What does the Indian chief say?" And Edzo was my interpreter, <laughs> and he said, "Indian chief said time for a song, so yeah. the, the the chorus would come out and they'd sing that kind of thing." That. Yeah. So one night I was there anyway, and I said, "Oh, Joe Pulaki, my my right place." And Patsy Cohen and Lord Marcinum asked Edzo, what does the Indian chief say? <laughs> and the answer was, Indian chief says, porter soft and milltown. <laughs> Edzo, at the very beginning, the first Bureau of the Change opened in your shop at Market Cross in Killarney in 1981. Licence had to be required, so the licence was got from the central bank mm-hmm. on a trial basis. They were trying it because at the time, uh, the banks had a sole monopoly of foreign exchange. You yeah. couldn't get it, change money after four o'clock in the evening or on a Saturday or a Sunday. So that was the concept of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, sure enough, the license was got. My wife, as Brian has already said, worked at the bank. She went working in the bureau with a few other people. And did open Whit Weekend. I rang Brian yeah, and I, uh, at 10 or 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock on a Saturday morning and said, God almighty, Brian. Get cash somewhere fast, they said. There was a queue out to draw them a small cash shop on New Street. Yeah. The owners fell as Woolworths. No <laughs> one to change money. So I get hit the ground running. John, your earliest memory of Fexco. I was born in 1980, so I have very little memories. Early days of, of, yeah. uh, of Fexco, but obviously I, I grew up with Fexco around me, so I, I knew nothing else. I was, I'd say, from an early age, fairly conscious that this wasn't exactly standard or wasn't uh, normal. The big thing I guess I remember was all the, the people that were coming through, John O'Connell and, and Noel Shannon, and of course all, all these other you know, very strong women who came through, the, you know, who helped early days of Fexco, the likes of Anne O'Sullivan, who was a, a next-door neighbour, 
Edzo, of course, was also a next-door neighbour just down over a couple of fields from us. Mm-hmm. And you had the likes of, of Josephine Foley and, and Jenny Piggott, who mm-hmm. to this day is, is you, you consider part of the family. Indeed. There wasn't really a big distinction between yeah. the likes of Fexco and, and, and the family life. Do you have an earliest Fexco memory? The earliest memory is probably answering phones. So at a certain point in the evening, the phone in Fexco, the receptionist would go home uh, and then the, the phone would ring in our house. We had an extension number, so we had a uh, we'd list again beside the phone with people's extension number, and you would get the request to talk to somebody who was working late, and then you'd, you'd go and you'd press R on the phone, you'd ring it, and you'd hang up, and you'd hope, you'd hope it connected. <laughs> you weren't sure did, it or didn't. Did that ever result in some memorable happenings? My biggest memory there was you could you could press a certain number and you'd go on the intercom. So you'd you'd often get the you'd get a a sibling to perhaps press the the wrong number on the phone and then they'd be on the intercom in Fexco. But that was probably the. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably it. Uh, Dennis, I mean, have you have you uh, an early memory of the Bureau de Change? I remember the safe. Like we had a safe in our house, which was used for, for for money, and I remember when that was installed, it was it was an um, underground safe that was put in the house, and I'm sure if anyone who who, who would be that you know who, who, who would be uh, so inclined knew how much money was in the house, the house would have been under under, under threat. But that was in the early early days of the of the bureau of challenge business was 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 the money was stored in the house, and then when the business got bigger, the safe was uh, abandoned, and so then it became a toy for us. So we used to use it the, the safe then for putting our men into our, our he men and action men and so on. And so over the past 42, 43 years, sitting on the board from a caravan from your shop at Market Cross in Killarney. It was the honour that was created from the very outset yeah. in terms of management style, entrepreneurship. That required vision, ferocious entrepreneurship and a knowledge of the personnel that could carry it out. Was the vision as clear as Edzo was saying, Brian? The vision might have been one thing, but um, the opportunity was what, what, what mattered at that time. If the opportunity was big enough and interesting enough, one followed that. So many honours and awards over all the years. He's well, laughing. Being in the pantomime, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is there an unrealised ambition? Well, I suppose you always have unrealised ambitions. We started to expand abroad in various areas, but then there were things happened, like we became agents for Western Union and then we became owners of Western Union agencies mm-hmm. in the UK in Spain, Sweden, Norway and Denmark and we sold it back to Western Union afterwards and we are to this day again this now at the moment uh, with their, their biggest agent around the world especially in, in the South Pacific. It took us into different countries where we had experience in Ireland and in the UK. Edzo, Ryan McCarthy, the impact he's had on Kilogden. In 1989 <laughs> when the prize bonds came to Kilogden it was a monstrous task because it involved shifting 11 mil pieces of paper from Dublin to Killarney in the back of articulated lorries. It was like something my dear man would see in Hollywood. I wrote a bit of a poem. The bonds have brought the prize. The trains had gone. The youth were going to places far away to make themselves a future far, far from Dingle Bay. But the bonds have changed the ball game, and again the time has come when the places of our youthful days were once again all home. For that great man Brian McCarthy has made the dreams come true 
what driving spirit showing what things we all can do. The times again are lively now, with crack and life are doing. <laughs> Communities are vibrant now, with prospects more for growing. The years ahead are brighter, sure, as from our knees we rise. For tonight, dear folks, I tell you, the bonds have brought the prize. The story is, is a story we got the prize bonds. Again, there was something that appeared on the paper that the Bank of Ireland were not going to computerise the prize bonds because they were too busy with the uh, year 2000 and their own computer systems. So uh, we had a problem at the time because our taxi shopping business was going faster than our computer could, could handle it, the business. We had over 100 people working, keying and stuff to the computers. I asked the people who supplied the computer, could we get a bigger one? And they told us we could, yeah, but it could be a mainframe. I wasn't so sure what a mainframe was, but they told me that was much bigger than the one we had, and there was nothing in between. So I asked what the cost might be, and they said it would be 1700000 for the computer. I didn't have the cash, of course. I didn't think that the investment would be too risky for what we were doing, and I said we'd have to put up with what we have. But anyway, I saw the thing on the the ad on the paper, and I said, if we computerise the prize bonds, could we put it on this computer too? They said, of course. All powerful. That was the real impetus that brought me to, to uh, go to the Department of Finance and ask them if the Bank of Ireland weren't going to computerise it, that we would do it, even though I didn't know how we were going to do it. And uh, in the end, we were the only people who tendered for it. We won the prize bonds. And it's, in, in fairness, it's due to one or two people around here. And the main one was... Adrian Mulville, who'd come out of college and he did a study of it. Do you want a final word, Brian? I have to say that once I settled into Kilargan, I couldn't think of a nicer place to live and to have a family grow up in. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing, what things we all can do. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing, what things we all can do. In our walk around the Fexco headquarters in Kilorgan, guided by Chairman Dennis McCarthy, we're now in the second of the company's three Kilorgan buildings. Today's programme was recorded on January the 30th. Your Fexco story for future programmes, text 083 300 telephone 066 712 We're in the lecture hall on Everard Road and we're joined by Bridget McGuire, Director of Fexco Asset Finance. Bridget. Fexco Asset Finance is a company that Fexco acquired in 2005. And basically it was banking services, so it's lending, it's leasing. And it's something I suppose that Brian always had an interest in, and I personally had an interest in it from my days in AIB. Mm-hmm. So an opportunity came to buy a small leasing business, which we did. We did the due diligence. There was a very nice business there. So we, we started back in 2005, and it's gone from strength to strength. Typically, we're dealing with construction companies, haulers, transport, plus some personal clients where we have cars and the likes, but it's mainly diggers and JCBs and trucks and trailers. We provide the finance for, for that type of business. And how, how big a company is that now? Well, in terms of size, the I suppose there are about 24 staff there now. And in terms of lending, it, the ambition is to hit 100 million before too long more. Our salespeople, um, they're mobile, they're on the road, they're scattered all over Ireland. We have two people in Dublin, we have somebody in the west of Ireland, and we have two people in Limerick, we have Sean here in Kilorglan, 
there's great coverage there. At the time we got involved in the business, there was an existing book there that we actually bought. So we, we, we hit the ground running. We didn't have to start from scratch because it's, uh, it takes a while to actually start tur- churning income as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But it is, it is a nice business. Mm. Um, and one I think that uh, if it's nicely with all the financial services within Fexco. Dennis, your time as CEO of Fexco. Being CEO, you'd be in meetings for like four or five different business lines within kind of four or five hours. We've always been willing to, to try new things, which I think really comes from, from you know, Brian's own DNA and the fact that people in Fexco are always um, encouraged to keep their eyes open for, for the next opportunity. We're always looking at, at you know, new businesses. You know, some businesses will, will, will you know, change or stop because of changes in conditions, mm-hmm. and other, others then will you know, take their place. So you know, Fexco today is a mixture of businesses which are founded at you know, diff, you know, different times um, yeah. over the years. And uh, that fact that the business is always willing and able to take risks on you know, new things is the reason why Fexco has been so, you know, such, a, such mm-hmm. a, a big success. As long as there's a good business case and, and we can you know, um, understand the opportunity in any new idea, then Fexco has always been willing and able to put its money on the table to try new things. And I think if it wasn't for that, then Fexco wouldn't be the size that it is today. Bridget, you, you previously worked as head of Fexco International Payments. International Payments grew out of the Bureau de Change business. They had lots of sterling, lots of dollar, and rather than sell it back to the, to the bank, the decision was taken to try and sell it back to clients. Very, very nice business, but it's amazing how it has evolved and changed over the years. It started by servicing universities, the corporates, the SME market, and primarily credit unions, uh, whom we've always had a great relationship with, and that relationship continues now through Metamo. But you know, back then, you were talking about manual checks, you were talking about, I mean, the check printer was in the background, it would be printing for hours, orders came in over the phone, data was entered onto our computer system. So all that evolved, and we wrote a new computer system, um, we automated a lot of the service in that it's online. Now our customers can actually come in online, and and we we moved away to we moved towards bulk payments, where higher volumes. You're buying and selling currency. You're buying at one price and you're selling at another, and you're making a little profit along the way. We had a great sales team that went out, listened, brought back the story at various meetings, and then we developed our systems to suit the customer requirement. Uh, wh- where are you buying currency from? Fexco would fund a certain amount of our currencies, but we have relationships with a number of banks, Barclays, City. We have a number of relationships, which I suppose there is so much currency trading going on in Fexco between DCC, bureaus, etc. So there's a whole team managing the, the treasury aspect of the business. Bridget, 27 years with Fexco. Inviting our clients down for the, for the, for the Fexco golf outings. Sometimes these went on for two or three days and the customer absolutely loved it because a lot of our customers would have been Dublin-based and coming down to Kilorgan for a night or two, they just, they adored it. Great, great memories, great memories of people. And I suppose a lot of acquisitions and a lot of, you know, we expanded in the corporate payments business, we expanded into the UK, we bought a um, small payments business in Edinburgh. Dennis, Chairman, your view of the next big thing for Fexco? It, it's funny actually if you look at the history of Fexco. So like we've we've a number of you know pretty pretty big businesses now, and at the time it was kind of hard to tell which one was actually going to be the big one. So really, I think it's really you know up to the markets to determine which ones are are, are going to be big. So like Fexco's approach is always to have a portfolio of opportunities that we're currently pursuing, and to you know stay close to the market and give each opportunity enough uh, oxygen to succeed. So like for me and for Fexco, I think it isn't so much about, so much about picking winners. It's about having a portfolio of of new opportunities that we're going to be investing in. It can be very tough in business and it's, it's very rare for businesses to last a long time and 
in order to make sure that your business lasts. I think it's so important to be trying new things, you know, to be to be looking at what at what's next. And uh, as was mentioned earlier by Brian, it's about keeping your um, ear to the ground, you know, knowing knowing what's happened, you know, or you know, like knowing what's happening, what changes are are occurring in in in, in, in law or with banks or whatever, and then having a go. Bridget, 22 years with AIB before coming to FEXCO. Like the change was huge. It was a massive change because you'd come from, uh, you know, a PLC, an organisation that was very structured and very organised and was around a long time. I was moving to a private company and I suppose my first day I walked into the factory floor and I can remember at lunchtime Stephen Scales playing the, the Ilham Hypes. What stimulated you to change? I spent all my banking career in Killarney, which was unusual. I joined in 97 and I spent uh, 22 odd years there, which was unusual, but I loved it. So I was assistant manager in Main Street and I said, you know, I was getting itchy feet. And the kids were at an age that I needed a bit more, maybe less time in the office while I had great support from Liam and everything. But I said, you know, I got a tap on the shoulder one morning from, from John O'Connell over a cup of coffee. There was a new venture in Fexco. Would I be interested? That was, I think, the summer of, of 97. Should by September, I'd made up my mind and I, I decided to to leave. Now, I loved I loved AIB and I loved everything about it. But I'm so glad I made the, the move as well. It was, it was a, it's a different world here because I think Dennis touched on it there. You have an idea and you're just given the green light to go away and drive on, put your plan together, put your project together and make it happen. You don't get that opportunity in large organisations. Yeah. 29 countries. The mind boggles. It is a big operation. But what you do kind of notice over the years is that while people might be different culturally, people's personalities are the same everywhere. So you can kind of meet the same personalities across the world as you meet within kind of two miles of here and you won't, and you won't meet anyone different. So I think once you have the, the, the human touch, you can get on anywhere. While the corporate payments business that we discussed earlier was very much about dealing with businesses and the corporates, etc. Through the credit unions, we had the community interest as well, because, you know, going back to the 80s, they didn't have a lot of services. And if you went into your local credit union to buy a sterling draft, a dollar draft or a, or a euro draft, that was Fexco paper. Look at the amount of people employed here and you have sons, daughters, you have aunts, uncles, they're all here and... People have stayed. People have, haven't moved on. The attrition rates wouldn't be high. It is a great place to work and people people love Kilorgden and it has a, an awful lot to offer as a town. And Fexco has made a lot of that happen as well. You can imagine if anything were to happen to Fexco that the the uh, effect in, in Kilorgden would be devastating. And I suppose one of the insurances against that is the kind of thing Dennis has been saying there. The fact that you have so many different companies. That, it's quite diverse. Yeah, yeah. which is, is, is a great insurance against a major catastrophe. I agree totally. And I think, you know, at one stage we said, you know, are we too diverse? Are we too many businesses? But I, I, I think, you know, they, they all kind of touch on each other, the relationships that you can cross-sell in, maybe into some of those businesses. But they are quite diverse, but successful. And some will mature and you'll have new ones coming on stream. And I think that's a good thing as well, because, you know, some businesses do get stale and the demand isn't there. But it's great to have people out there with vision that can actually see the opportunities and, you know, grasp it. And it might be over a pint or over a conversation, a cup of coffee, that something just sparks and it takes off from there, mm. which, is, which is the one fantastic thing about Fexco that, uh, that I, I think all of us experience. Yeah. The very fun business, which was just about reading something in the paper. So... Um, it's funny how how many flexible businesses came from just reading the paper, you know, like just 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 reading stories and reading changes in 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 in, in, in like legal 
legal things and so on. Mm. So if you look at, so so for example, like the Western Union business, I'd say, which which was and is a huge business for, for Vexco, that came from my uncle Billy Ray was, was the head of the Bureau Service in Cork. And I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope my story is correct here, but I think someone from Western Union actually walked into one of our shops in Cork and asked, would we be um, interested in, in doing Western Union in Ireland? Willing and open to that conversation. Bridget, thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Frank. And Dennis is staying with us. We move on. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. In our walk around Fexco, guided by Chairman Dennis McCarthy, I'm now joined by Director Stephen O'Sullivan, whose 40 years have included serving as IT Director, as Director of Corporate and Social Responsibility as well. He's co-founder of Brighter Community Energy, which aims to transition Ireland from centrally owned fossil fuel electricity to community owned power that is fair, inclusive and sustainable. Stephen, 36 years. I remember the night I came to Cologne, getting off the train in Killarney and being met by Brian. A joint of a man physically and in every way. So what was the big attraction? It was an interesting time for computing and people who were interested in computers, which I was. And Fexco looked like a good opportunity. I had a good job in Dublin, but I think the opportunity in Fexco was was very exciting in terms of kind of responsibility. And it was quite clear that Brian and the team in Fexco recognised that computers and software were going to be valuable tools for their business in the future. A company like Fexco couldn't have existed 50 years ago, probably even more recently. It hugely depends on information technology, you're saying, constantly upgrading to stay ahead of the market. Well, I think what was happening around the time I started in Fexco was the computing was becoming much more affordable. Probably around that time, or maybe before that time, the option was to buy an IBM mini computer, which was probably maybe 50, 70, 80,000. Um, and Fexco certainly couldn't have afforded that at that time. And now you could buy a computer, albeit with maybe n- not, not the same processing power, but now you could buy a computer for th- two or 3,000. And the first computer we started with was quite interesting in terms of, um, I was thinking about this um, the other day, it probably had uh, 64K of, of memory and it had uh, two 512K floppy disk drives and it had an operating system called CPM and we had a programming language called CBASIC. So just in terms of what's available now, even on your phone, it was minuscule. But um, there was still there was a lot of good, still a lot of good technology there, and it, this was before the IBM PC. Corporate and social responsibility. Fexco probably got to the stage where they decided that they needed to maybe take a slightly more kind of formal approach in terms of managing all that corporate corporate and social responsibility but it was you know it's been there for a long time in Fexco and Fexco has been a great supporter of of, of the community in Cologne and beyond. Probably what was the sustainability side was something that certainly needed a more formal approach and I think when I got into that job that's part of what what, what I did. We, we had a budget and with approval from Dennis for various energy efficiency projects. The most significant project that I worked on was on the, the new building in Killarney Road. We followed a particular methodology, an ISO methodology, in, in order to qualify for support from SEAI. And we got 
significant uh, support from them for putting in energy efficient infrastructure as opposed to the kind of standard infrastructure. Taking that point a bit further, Dennis, I mean, two and a half thousand people working in 29 different countries all over the world, as you've said yourself earlier, in spite of using IT, still a great number of flights, a huge carbon footprint. I don't think so really, Frank. Like so so like in terms of say, you know, flights that we would take, like they're typically small numbers of people a couple of times a year. So like we you know, we, we certainly we certainly wouldn't be jumping in a plane just to kind of visit someone on spec. Um so um in terms of the um overall carbon footprint, you know, Fexco has been has been very has been very mindful of that. And I think as businesses go, you'd find that we have an, an extremely low carbon footprint given the size of our of our business. So it, it, it's something that many people in the, in the, in the company are, are passionate about. It's something that at, at board level we're, we're always looking at. I was reading about your development of PACE. PACE came from the um, understanding that there's an, an increasing uh, desire and requirement for airlines and people in the aviation business to track the, the amount of carbon that is being emitted by aircraft. So we realised in Fexco that we had the capability to build something here to actually solve that problem for, for the um, aircraft business. So we now have a, have a solution that allows uh, airlines across the world to track in real uh, um, time the amount of carbon that is being emitted by their aircraft as they fly. So it's a huge important area because the financing for aircraft actually depends now on the, the CO2 emitted by those aircraft. So like you'll actually get a, a better deal from your bank if your uh, aircraft are more carbon friendly. And seeing as the um, airline business is, is so capital intensive, you can imagine how, how important that is. Particularly important in a country like ours, where something like 50% of the leasing companies in the world are based here. If you look at some of the important markets in Ireland, obviously the um, aircraft market is a hugely important one, and, 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 and one which, if you took it out, out of Ireland, it would, it would have a major impact. So yeah, and that's also an, an um, example of how, of how FXO thinks as well. Like We're looking you know, at, at markets that are adjacent to our current markets, but also looking at markets that, that are kind of adjacent to Ireland. So like things that uh, Ireland is good at as a country, and one of those is is, is the um, um, aircraft business. The whole development that you have here, the whole digital platform can be applied to other industries as well as to aviation. Exactly, yeah. And again, it's just, it's just back to that theme of always looking beyond what you're doing right now and seeing how you can apply the skills that you have right now to other opportunities as they arise. Stephen, Brighter Community Energy, which aims to transition Ireland from centrally owned fossil fuel electricity to community owned power that is fair, inclusive and sustainable, what we're trying to achieve is to build community and projects, renewable energy projects for the community and for the benefit of the community. We're looking at a solar farm and we have identified a site in Killarney where there is planning permission and which is also adjacent to the grid. And you can't really have a solar farm unless you have those two things. We're working with the landowners to get an agreement to lease the land. We've applied for a grid connection and it's a very interesting project. It takes a long time to get anything done. But we have some, the biggest advantage we have is that we already have planning permission. And ahead of us is probably a whole community engagement and to try and raise money from the community for the project. And we would envisage that every community investor would get maybe 5 or 6% return on the money. And the balance of the finance we'd be looking for from banks or from EIIS and the project will be as I say owned by, by, by the investors and any surplus will go to funding community projects. How big a project is that? We reckon the cost will be about 5 million. So it's, it's not beyond the possibility. 
and are there other examples? The government is committed to developing uh, 500 megawatts of community energy projects or community energy, renewable energy by 2030. And as far as we know, they only have five so far. So we suspect we might be the second five or the next five, or we're hoping to be the next five. So double the number that they have already? Yeah, and I think if we're successful with this project, there, there'd be other, there will be other opportunities. The opportunity arises because a lot of the commercial developers, the size of the site is too small, and five megawatts is too small for commercial developers. They're now developing 30, 60, 70 megawatt. So a lot of those projects have been abandoned by the likes of, uh, for example, ESB Solar. But the planning permission remains, which is good. So many highlights, um, an advance, a new development, a particular advance that, that stands out for you. But that's obviously an example, but there must be others, are there? I think artificial intelligence is a big, is, is a massive new technology and there's, there's enormous investment in that. The world is changing hugely and, uh, and certainly um, AI is a, is, is a massive area. There are a lot of fears in relation to AI. Though, oh, there, are, there? there are, there are, there are. And I don't think anyone can know for sure whether the, the fears are, are founded or not because there's so much that is unknown and um, uncertain about it. But certainly within Fexco, we're using AI hugely um, across the board, like most businesses are, are very quickly. It is a great aid for helping people to like understand problems or to, to solve certain problems. And obviously, it's also very open, so it's very easy for uh, anybody to use it because it's all, it's all about text. But in terms of having a view of where AI is going, I don't have a strong view, and like I don't mean that I I don't think about it. It's just like I think it'll it, it it'll, it'll be very good for for sorting certain classes of problems up to a certain level, but based on what I've seen so far, I don't think it'll it'll be you know uh, you know taking or making um, experts or you know putting experts out of business. You know, like it, it's, yeah. it's 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 up to a certain level. It's very good for for solving problems, but I think I think that uh, human um, expertise will be necessary into the future. Is there a particular opportunity you're especially looking at? For AI, we think it's going to be huge in, in outsourcing. So in terms of actually helping customers get their, get their questions answered more quickly, it's going to be big there. And we're um, investing heavily in that space to, to help our customers solve their problems. I think one of the sectors where it's a big threat, it seems to me, is in uh, your business, in, in journalism and in the media. There's so much uh, fake news and... Well, even creative writing, you look and, at the novelists. Well, well, just it, the whole threat, to, exactly, yeah. to creativity yeah. just seems to me to be enormous. And I know I read from time to time that there's kind of legislators are kind of struggling and trying to figure out what their strategy is going to be to protect creativity. One of the, the hallmarks of Brian, he was always positive. Not everything was positive in the business at various times, but I think that mentality of always looking forward to the new thing and to, to being positive was a huge reason why Fexco was, was such a success. We always had this problem, what are we going to do next, because maybe we're a bit over-dependent on this business, but we've always been able to get over that, and there's always something new coming along. And that has to do with vision, it has to do with creativity, it has to do with innovation. Stephen O'Sullivan, thanks for talking to me. Again, Dennis is staying with us, so uh, we'll talk to Cheers. you again. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Dave. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. Walking around the Killorgan headquarters of Fexco, the multinational financial and business solutions provider, 
guided by non-executive chairman Dennis McCarthy. Today's programme was recorded on January the 30th. Your FEXCO story for future programmes, text 083-300-3300, telephone 066-712-3666. Now joined by a man in FEXCO since 1990, Dennis Cleary helped pioneer dynamic currency conversion, played a, a crucial role in developing the and launching DCC International, spanning 29 countries became head of DCC and subsequently managing director of FEXCO DCC and director of corporate governance. Dynamic currency conversion, making a credit card purchase in a foreign country using the currency of your home country in 1990, 34 years ago. This was something that was new and innovative, hadn't been done by anybody before. And to think about building a, even out a concept like that from a small place in the west of Ireland, leaning into some of the, you know, the major major credit card companies and banking institutions across the world. That was going to be a daunting task. How would, would a concept like this take off? Would it survive? Would we get the traction that we would need to make it work for us? Why did you succeed? Some of the things that FEXCO are very well known for are like perseverance and patience. A belief by the management of the company at the time and, in the, and the management in a continuous pervades across the organisation in the people and what they're trying to achieve and giving them the support. The backdrop to it, Frank, was that we were doing, on from our VAT refund days, we were making refunds on credit cards to foreign nationals, non-EU nationals, but this was the first time it was done on the debit side where you were being charged at the point of sale for goods and services in your own currency, mm-hmm. on your credit card. How long did it take the big guys to come after you? They're still after us, Frank, thankfully. <laughs> we're still... <laughs> we're still it's, it's still a very large business in Fexco. As you mentioned at the outset, it's... Uh, we promote it into over 49 countries now worldwide. We continue to grow that business. It still has a lot of trajectory for growth. There are areas of the world that don't have it at this stage. And we're continuing to, to grow that. In, in But there are some headwinds with it, of course. And there's competition in the market. Uh, competition from the card schemes themselves, but also direct competition. But Fexco has that long history of being able to build relationships and partnerships that has given us that huge distribution that we have built over a long number of years. Mm. Is, is there getting in to one country that particularly stands out? Dubai stands out. The culture, it's not the Dubai that we think about today. It's much more open for business than it was then. Technology was fairly rudimentary. Banking structures were maybe where they are today. But we were able to convince people in a different culture, using a different language, in a different time zone, in a different working week, that we had a novel concept that would be valuable to them and to their business. And uh, they bought into us. I think they bought the people and they bought as much as the, the concept and, and the service. The coming of the euro? It probably impacted us to a, to a small degree in the sense that a number of European currencies disappeared and so it took away some of the opportunity that we had. It was only small though, you say. It, was, it wasn't a major No, thing. it was about roughly 13 or 14% of what was our business at that time. But if, if, if we think about it, we, we had grown our business much beyond Europe at that stage. So we were well diversified. And so an issue like that in one, one jurisdiction didn't really impact on the business overall. Probably heightened in a lot of people's minds around currency and the use of currency. And so it probably made it easier for us to actually deliver the service as well. Because it was more mean, it was more in people's minds. I think. What will Fexco's next big challenge in direct currency conversion be? There is quite a bit of competition. So of course, when there's competition and there are more parties at it, it becomes more commoditized. 
So we've got to keep reinventing. We've got to keep moving into new jurisdictions. When you say that, are you talking about geographic areas? Are you talking about yeah. the difference in the service you're offering? Well, both, really. So if you think about just geographic areas, I mean, our more, rec- more, more recent foray is probably in, into areas of, of Latin America and South America that are virgin territory, really, for this type of service. So there's plenty of opportunity there. There are large parts of Asia that are still untapped that we are pursuing and we intend to conquer. But there are also some verticals which we also need to kind of lean more into. Now, we're across hospitality, but when I think about verticals, I think about ATMs, I think about e-commerce, and then maybe other verticals where there's a lot of foreign tourism spend. That's really the areas we're looking for. Corporate governments, I mean, the system of rules, practices and processes by which the company is directed and controlled. Fexco is, is made up of so many different businesses. How, as director of corporate governance in Fexco, you keep it all together? Fexco is an interesting collection of companies, really, some of which are regulated and some of which are not. The corporate governance function has to lie across all of those and be able to deliver a consistent experience to to the businesses to make sure that they live up to the rules, regulations and corporate requirements that we have across the organisation. So everybody sees themselves as Fexco rather than their own department within Fexco? I I think everybody sees themselves as part of the Fexco family, but yet they would have an identity within that, of course, which is related to their own particular business or the business line that they're operating in. Uh, I think that's for sure, and that's important. I think that happens as well. But overall, we're all Fexco when it comes right down to it. Fexco is a very dynamic company, new things happening, constant change. I was very fortunate to join Fexco at a time when that was very much the case. We had just taken on the prize bonds, the computerisation of the prize bonds at that time. Brian had just purchased the first a mid-range mainframe computer. Absolutely unheard of in, in yeah. a place like Kilorglin. So an investment of 1.7 million. Yeah. It was a lot of money at the time. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of money at the time. So I, I suppose we've, we've kind of lived through that dynamism and change. And I think particularly operating from where we operate, I think it's important that we continue to have that flexibility and that dynamism that we continue to reinvent ourselves. We continue to look forward. A good example of that is the investment in the RDI Hub. That's an investment for the future. That's an vote in in Fexco's future, how, how are we going to continue to evolve? How are we going to continue to reinvent ourselves? How are we going to continue to stay relevant internationally, I suppose, really? And how do we sustain and grow, I suppose, in this region? The hub is, is, is really a, a hothouse for all of that, isn't it? That's, that's the big hope, Frank. I mean, it's, it's, it's there and it's an ecosystem that will facilitate all of that. And, of course, we hope that the next Fexco or, or the next big Fexco product will emanate out of that in time. And, you know, there's a lot of good work going on there at the moment to make sure that that happens. The hub itself is it's, it's an investment in the future, and we here in Kilorgan can see the enormous impact that having, having a strong business can have on the, the whole community. And for us, you know, the big goal here would be, you know, can we, can, we, can we get the next Fexco out of the hub? Because, again, like the impact that the business can make on, on communities and families is, is so enormous. So like here in Fexco, like we've got so many people who, who work in Fexco who might have you know, put their children through college on the back of, of working in Fexco and their children are now working in Fexco. So like we can see having business that lasts a, a long time can have, can have a huge impact and, and, and a, big benefit, a big benefit on families. Most companies, I, I would imagine that investing 10% or less than that in the whole area of research and development would be high. Here, I mean, you have a building there that is probably bigger than either of the other two buildings you have. It's an enormous investment in proportion to, to your size. I think that speaks to the culture of Fexco because, again, Fexco is always about what's next. So, like, what, what, what is next for Fexco? And, 
it's a question that we can never answer because we're always asking the question. So, you know, Fexco is always about having having a portfolio of ideas and opportunities that we're pursuing. Some will work and some won't. And ultimately, the portfolio of businesses that you see today are, are the result of those choices over many years. Fexco is, is built on moving sands, regular change, process change, uh, taking on new enterprises. That can all lead to great staff insecurity. The whole area of human relations, the whole area of training, I mean, is that a significant way in which you help to avoid the kind of insecurity that might happen? I think it's a huge part of what we do. You know, we, the, you, know you talked about investment in infrastructure and the building of the road, but it's a continuous, heavy investment in people, in training, retraining, skilling, reskilling, as services and products move along. And as we get new people into the organisation, I think that's, I think FEXCO is well known and well renowned for that. It's clearly very important and, um, you know, you can see the impact it has on, on people who might be in school or, 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 or coming out of school. So, so, so for example, in Kilorgan, like many, many students will, you know, do their do, 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 do the evening cert and then maybe spend a year in FEXCO. And that, that gives people the ability to, to earn money, first of all, but then also just, you know, get used to the, to the work environment, which, which is huge. So, you know, like, like that's a big thing that we do. Um, and... You know, like for me personally, when I was uh, in school, like it was, it, it was great to actually have a job where you'd, where you'd put on your shirt and your tie and go into work and actually kind of learn those life skills, which are, which are so important and, and certainly weren't uh, available in Kilorg before, you know, before FEXCO was here. So like we're very mindful of, of that and, 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 and of the positive impact the company has had in people um, across the county. Dennis, very finally, I mean, is, is there a legacy of the 34 years that you're here? That DCC story which has played a huge role in, and continues to play a huge role in FEXCO's history, made a significant contribution, I think, to the, um, to the financial performance of FEXCO over the years. It has allowed us then to do other things. Dennis Cleary, thanks indeed for talking to me. My pleasure, Frank. Thank, Thank you. you. And Dennis, is, Dennis Ella is staying with us, so we, we move on. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. That great man, Brian McCarthy, has made the dreams come true. What drive and spirit showing what things we all can do. Walking around the Killorgan headquarters of FEXCO, the international financial and business solutions provider with operations in 29 countries, guided by FEXCO's non-executive chairman, Dennis McCarthy, also joined by Group Facilities Manager, Nuala Johnston, with FEXCO since the early 1990s. Over the years in sales and marketing, project management and facilities manager, overseeing the building and fit-out of the 57,000-square-foot RDI hub. It was very exciting because of the scale. It was all about managing the budget was the big thing for me and managing the timeline. So we wanted to be in by the end of 2019. So that was the target. We started at the beginning of 2019 with the fit-out. The building had been constructed and then the fit-out needed to be completed by the end of 2019. So that was my target. And by hook or by crook, we were going to be into that building by December 2019, which we did meet. And at the same time, so you're balancing everybody's needs. You're balancing the needs of what the RDI hub needed, what FEXCO needed, making sure everyone was accommodated, a comfortable environment, the best of quality furniture and fit out and then we didn't want to spend I won't say we didn't want to spend a fortune because we did it was a what, huge what budget 21 million that's probably where I got the heart attacks the most I would imagine facing I I the chief financial officer 
on a monthly basis telling him the bad news and the worst news. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to add to that, Dennis? Yeah, I was a CEO at the time, and our, our, our CFO was a guy called uh, Jorah Sullivan, who was, a, who was a Corkman as well, but poor Jorah definitely got a, got a, a bit greyer during the yeah. fit-out and the cost of it, but... Uh, it was a, a hugely worthwhile project overall, and I think it can be seen in, 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 in the quality of, of the finished product. What was the budgeted cost of it? I would definitely not tell you that. <laughs> it was far from the, the end. It? But no, to be fair, how the project went along is, I suppose, where we started. The, the final product of the building was, first of all, Brian wanted to add a, another floor onto it, so that would add another <laughs> few million. Our idea of what the building would be initially would have been just for FEXCO and along the way then it developed into creating a space for the RDI hub as well and then we added a floor and the top floor is a restaurant space and the idea behind that was you had the RDI hub and you had FEXCO and Brian very much wanted a place where people could collaborate so he didn't want to have two different spaces he wanted a place where people could meet together having their lunch having a cup of coffee and share ideas so that's how we ended up with the third floor over all of the past 30 uh, something years in fexco you never know what you're going to be doing from one week to another you can you, there's so many experiences my first experience in fexco would have been when I was in college, I've been working in Paris for Fexco. They used to look after getting visas for business travellers. So then when I was in college, I came into Fexco, I applied for a job here. And I wasn't long here in Fexco when there were other members of the family working here. At that time, I think I had three sisters and a brother-in-law and my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband. So it was a gang of us working here. And I don't know how it came about, but in BC were interested in coming to Ireland, into Kerry, and filming a documentary on a big company in a small town. And our family popped up in the conversation. And I ended up being part of a programme that included me at work, my sister, going over to the family farm. So it's just an example of, like, anything could happen in a day in the life in Fexco. There's been so many, so many, so many different things that have happened over the years, which have been uh, have been great. Like so, so for example, we, we had the Chinese Premier visited Kerala, and when you know these people come to Ireland, it's 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 a great story to tell. So the fact that we're here, like in, in the west of Ireland, in a small town, and we've you know created so many jobs. And if you look at the, at the impact of, of, of Fexco and other businesses here here in Kerala, likes of uh, Stennis and others, there's no town in Ireland which has as many jobs per person living in the town. So like we have. I think it's like two and a half jobs per individual per resident. who lives yeah. in Kilorgan. There's no single town in Ireland which, which, ha, which has as many job opportunities as, as Kilorgan. Accurately measuring and calculating FEXCO's CO2 emissions, its carbon footprint. Nula? We've always been interested in sustainability. So going back the years, and we're looking enough for our electrician. We have our own electrician here in FEXCO, and he's always been conscious of that. So... We've had, we say, LED lighting, we introduced it 10 years or more ago. Uh, so we have that in all our buildings. We have energy and water management in all of our buildings. The new Killarney Road building, and what we call it, we have got Exceed certification for that building. We've worked closely with um, Tidy Towns on biodiversity. So our door is always open to ideas from people to come.
We're working with somebody to introduce more ecosystems in the urban area. So we've planted native hedging, we've planted trees in our car parks. So we're always working with them. Mm. And with ESG now being so important, we'll have to report on our carbon emissions. So there's a very strong focus on it now. So we're going to be doing even more work in 24 on biodiversity. And we've also introduced PV panels in our new building. 408 or 10 uh, PV panels, so that'll provide us with 50% of our energy needs for the building. We'll have our ESB bills. What's Um, the payback period on that? It was uh, less than, was it five years or so? It was kept kept coming down, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have heat pumps introduced as well in two of our buildings. Now we're just in the final stages of commissioning those. So that will reduce our dependency on oil and gas. So there would be three new projects that we've introduced. The PVs were just finished before Christmas. We haven't seen the figures, you know, yet. And coming into the spring, we'll get more. They look very, very promising at the moment. And then the heat pumps, of course, are going to save us Mm -hmm. as well. And it'll all be part of our ESG reporting. As you said, Noel, there earlier on, it's a family affair. Your husband, Billy O'Sullivan, also works here in Fexco. He warned me not to mention him. And if, <laughs> if his name came now. up, I was not to talk about it. <laughs> Billy played with Lone Rangers through the, the uh, great successful years of Lone Rangers, you know, their county championship win after 78 years of not winning it and then going on to win the All-Ireland. So we had great times. There was great outings. And then also Fexco would have been very supportive of Lone Rangers, similar to other sporting clubs in the town. I have two sons now, Jack and Charlie, and both of them are playing with Lone Rangers, so th- it continues. They're not they, working in Fexco as well, are they? They have come through the doors of Fexco as well. Both Jack is in college and Charlie is doing his leaving cert, so both have done work experience, so it's been amazing. So it's kind of incestuous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, I mean, it, I suppose you could say the same for a lot of families. Fexco has opened the door for so many young people starting off in their professional careers and giving them just that little, even if it was three or four weeks work experience that they can put on their CV, it helps them to go on. Some people stay like myself, but others move on then and go on to other things. Dennis, as as chairman, do you have one particular ambition for Fexco? The ambition for Fexco is always to to grow the business. The ambition for Fexco over the next... The next five years is to you know, double the size of Exco. So that's our ambition, and we think we're in the markets to uh, achieve that. So, yeah, so in, in, in particular areas? We see most of, the grow, most of the grow coming from the areas that were in, um, already, obviously, but, but we do have a strong balance sheet, so we're looking to uh, invest further and to buy other businesses as well. When you say doubling it, is doubling it in, in, in bottom line or bottom, in... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so like we have, we have a num- number of different uh, um, uh, um, areas of, of focus. Uh, clearly, the bottom line is, is very important for um, every business, but we're also looking to grow the top line and grow, grow the revenue of the company and, and, and of course, the, the, the size of the, the, the staff base as well. It's an amazing story, isn't it? And, it is amazing. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of Fexco personally. I have grown up in Fexco. I've made lifelong friends here. It's yeah, and I suppose there's a lot of people that are. I've, I'm here 31 years. There's a lot of other people that are here 30 years. There's a great family feel about the place. It's very hard to describe it actually, but people care for each other. And you know, when you you have losses of people, it's really felt deeply because it feels like a family. So. It's been very exciting for me. Jordan Johnson, thanks indeed for talking to me. The story of Fexco from 
one employee in 1981 to 2,500 today, almost a, a thousand of them in Kilogran, where it started and is committed to continuing from a first bureau de change to an annual 34 billion euro in transactions. Fexco businesses include dynamic currency conversion, international payments, asset finance, strategic business development. It's a special tribute to Brian McCarthy who started and developed Fexco and to so many others along the way that you've, you've heard down to the present non-executive chairman of the company, Dennis McCarthy, who was our guide today. Dennis, many thanks to you and to all of your colleagues who joined us, two people who have ferried people in and out today, Cyril Maloney and TJ Galvin and Jenny Piggott, who's as always a great help. Thanks to all of you. On today's programme, location sound is by Siobhan Lewis, post-production Colette Foley, from me Frank Lewis, until the last Saturday in March, the 30th, Holy Saturday, until then all of the evolving wonder of spring, the creeping beginnings of the great avalanche of new growth, the ever-increasing bird sound in the hour before sunrise, that's sunrise at 7.27 on this 24th day of February, and on uh, again the hour after sunset, which is at 17.51 today. Marvel at it all. Joe McGill will be back with you next Saturday. Thanks for your company. Francis Jones will be with you after the news. Mm-hmm.